It's time for Plan B with Rebecca Davis. And just before we get to that, continuing with the theme of first words. And Rebecca, you probably don't know why I'm talking about first words. I'm talking about first words because Harry told James that Archie's first word was crocodile. And this WhatsApp reads, I heard a mother call into Cape Town years ago, horrified at her daughter's first word when she fell, took one look at the scrape and screamed, Arnica! As the first word. Rebecca, what was your first word? Or what is reputed, reported to have been your first word? I have absolutely no idea, John. But there's no way. I mean, as somebody who is raising a little boy who is currently experimenting with language, let me say there is no way that Harry's kid's first word was crocodile. I mean, that is just an outright lie. There's no way that he can even say dial. And I say this as somebody whose son is called Miles and who thinks his name is something like Manama. (laughs) Those are not sounds that come quickly to toddlers. Dial. What a lie, Harry. Stop this. Crocodile. That is a croc. (laughs) A croc of, indeed. (laughs) But I will tell you, John, that Miles' first word was wow. Wow. Yes, appropriately thrilled at his surroundings. <laughs> he took look at, took a look at you and Haji sitting together on the sofa, gazing with adoration at him, and he said, wow. Wow, correct. <laughs> Spot on. The other thing, before we get on to your topics, is that it is International Grammar Day today. Are there any solecisms that you find particularly egregious and correct in the speech of others? I mean, not so much grammatical, but... Um, in terms of, I suppose, malapropisms or misuse of words. Yes, loads. I'm trying to think of one now. Um, people who say what's plotting instead of what's potting. My goodness, that is one that can drive me to drink. Also, now the people who say the proof is in the pudding instead of the proof of the pudding is in the eating, which is the whole point of that proverb. You've really got me going now, John. Um, People who use disinterested to mean uninterested rather than uh, dispassionate, although I understand that that word meaning is changing and we must be alive to that possibility as well. Um, Because the Oxford English Dictionary now says that literally means metaphorically as well. (laughs) And, you know, that is hilarious, John, but I mean... I am a major offender in that regard, I must say, for somebody who is quite fascist about other people's languages. I am literally the biggest offender on it. So, yes, that is hilarious, but that is the nature of language. It changes. I spoke with Feriel yesterday, Feriel Hafaji, your colleague at the Daily Maverick, about her piece on the DM website yesterday, Ace is Going Nowhere, the new ANC step-aside guidelines reveal that. And you tell me that you and... um, Ferial and other colleagues the Daily Maverick have been debating if this is entirely a bad thing, that he has presidential aspirations, which is something that Ferial writes in that piece. That's right. So apparently he's jolling around and his supporters are singing a song saying Ace for President. The, the, the debate that we were having at Daily Maverick was, would it be a terrible thing if Ace became president of the ANC? Now, that is a critical distinction, not president of the country. I think that everyone agrees that if Ace were to become president of South Africa, it would probably be a very bad thing. But the argument is basically that if Mr. Ace Magashule, a man accused of how many over 20 counts of money laundering, corruption, fraud, etc., 
A man has had two former court rulings go against him for manipulation of the ANC membership system and so forth. I mean, this is the tip of the iceberg of his alleged misdemeanors. If that man were to become president of the ANC, would it be a positive thing in the sense that it might finally cause the sort of rupture that is desperately needed in our politics. Would it mean, for instance, that the last people left in the ANC with any shreds of integrity would abandon ship? That it might cause a reformulation of the opposition, a rebanding together of opposition parties, together with those members of the ANC who would who would flee. Is that the kind of possibility that we could face if Ace Magashula became president? In other words, might it be the thing that rooks us out of the kind of frustrating holding pattern that South African politics is currently in. I mean, what's your thoughts on that, John? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. You see, the notion that the, the glue that binds the ANC together would weaken to the point that the, the good part of the ANC would snap the last remaining bits of glue and go out on their own. I simply don't buy that. I mean, they're, they're, I mean, it's a conversation that I've been having with analysts in the 30-plus years that I've been asking the question, how long will the ANC stay together? And, I mean, I think if Ace Makashula becomes the president of the ANC, he'll become the president of the country and bye-bye South Africa. You know, I don't think anyone has ever... Because even, you might recall, at the time when Jacob Zuma was elected president, it wasn't as if every analyst was shouting, this is it, this is a bad move. You know, he was seen as a populist, but there was not really a general sense that it would be disastrous. In fact, even some fairly mainstream commentators were of the opinion that it might be a useful reset. I think the difference with ACE would be that it would be pretty much universally greeted as a disaster. And I've always maintained that ACE actually has a very small constituency, that it is limited to the free state and to the people he has literally given money to. There I go with my literallys again, John, um, which is to say, you know, students in the free state and various young women, probably, etc. So he also, I believe, does not have a, a name recognition nationally that is particularly impressive. So would he be able to command the kind of following that would see him ascend to the, to the, the presidency of the country? I'm, I'm not sure. Would an NC led by ACE seem as impressive? We know from Peter Louis Mayberg's book that he has virtually no struggle history, for instance. I mean, nobody remembers him in the struggle, really. He's not someone of whom it can be said, oh, look at this picture of X with Mandela, of X during the Codesa negotiations. You know, he pretty much came out of nowhere. It could be the thing that makes the ANC's kind of scales fall away from people's eyes. That say, you know, who is this guy leading this party? What is going on here? But, John, you're probably right, I've got to say. But I'm trying to find a positive spin on what could otherwise seem like a pretty nightmarish scenario. And you're welcome for that. Thank you very much. A couple of space-related pieces of news, which I know from many years of talking to you, you do love. I do love a bit of space, John. Who doesn't? First of all, you may have seen the news that the Japanese billionaire Yusaka Maezawa, who is an online fashion tycoon, has bought the first trip on Elon Musk's lunar spaceship, SpaceX, one of which crashed again this week, you may have seen. But they are saying by 2023, it should be all go, no crashes. And he's now said that he wants to invite eight people from around the world to join him. His treat, you don't have to pay. He originally said he would only take artists, but he has since said anyone doing something creative who will propel the other people on board to higher creative heights 
can be called an artist and you are eligible. The trip will apparently take a week. I wasn't sure if that was a week there and a week back or a week in total, but it seems like a relatively small um, temporal investment to make. And you could be going beyond the moon, in fact. It's going to go further, I think, than anyone has ever gone before. This is scheduled, as I said, for 2023. And if you are interested, check out the website, dearmoon.earth. It's a very exciting-looking website and contains there all that you need to apply for one of these coveted positions. It's a bit like Charlie on the Chocolate Factory, isn't it, John? Getting a golden ticket, but this time to go to the moon. I love everything about it. But if you do not succeed in winning Mr. Maezawa's favor, fear not. Because if you are very rich, four years later, now we're looking at 2027, you can potentially check into the first space hotel. I have less faith in this because it is not backed by Mr. Musk. The Orbital Assembly Corporation is apparently putting together their plans to build the world's first space hotel. It will be in a low orbit around the Earth. Individual pods. It will feature some of the same leisure amenities you would find on an average spaceship, which is to say restaurants, a cinema. Although who would go to space and then sit watching movies is really quite beyond me. On the other hand, what else are you going to do, I suppose, except look out of the window? Some of the pods will be government-owned. The idea is that they could use them for training for astronauts. And some of them will be privately owned, which, again, sort of blows my mind. Because would it be desirable to have a house in space? Maybe if you were a sort of crazy billionaire survivalist and thought nuclear war was in the offing or something, or devastating climate change. Otherwise, would you want to have a holiday home in space, John? Does that sound peaceful? Nope. To, to me, to me, um, a holiday home in space would be like um, taking a year-long cruise around the world, except more boring, because you know, the, the view is so so much the same. Yes, you're up there and you can see the Earth, but you're going so fast that the view doesn't change. It's inc- it must be incredibly dull. It's like being out at sea on an ocean liner, which to my um, lack of delight I've done a couple of times and you just sit there and look at the water okay well there's more water oh look there's more water and yet more water how tedious give me a holiday on a beach or a mountain or a city with museums and galleries any day Rebecca sorry perhaps I am less cynical than you or perhaps simply more childlike because for instance I always get a tremendous kick out of a rotating restaurant I imagine this would be much the same but with celestial views I'm in John. Okie dokie. Well, I, if you need a, um, if you need a reference for either of your applications, I'm very, very happy to supply that. And now the sad news that your cat is missing or perhaps has subsequently been found. No, he has not. So it is now going on 26 hours in which Samuel L. Katzen has failed to return home, which he has never done before, John. Now my question is, what should I do? I've Googled this extensively. Some suggested that you should distribute bits of litter, his litter, around the surroundings so that he can smell the scent and come home. So I have surreptitiously done this, as I'm sure the body corporate would not approve of me dropping bits of his stained litter around our complex. And I've left his food outside. But other than that, what to do, John? And also upon Googling, I've discovered to my horror the cats can go missing for up to 12 years and then return. John, must I put my life on hold? I'll be old and wrinkly by the time he... What happens if I have a new cat by then? Should I leave his litter tray untouched? Should I leave his pellets where they are just on the off chance that in a decade and a half he should care to pop home?
cats really are the most atrociously selfish creatures. I um, currently have one and three quarter cats. Um, there was a time when I had 1.0001 cats because Smoothie never goes further than the perimeters of the house. Whereas Juno disappeared. Juno disappeared for, and it was fairly soon after Emma left to go to the States. And Juno used to love, in, in the months before Emma went to the States, she spent a lot of time at home, and Juno loved to be wherever she was. Then she left to the States, and about three weeks later, Juno disappeared. And we found out about four months later that Juno had moved in next door. And then somehow... Next door stopped being as attractive, and slowly Juno has been spending more and more time back with me and Smoothie. But during those four months, you know, I did everything. I put it up on the Facebook page and put the, um, you know, printed the little bits of paper and and hammered them with uh, nails into tree trunks to let people know that Smoothie was missing, that Juno was missing. I hope that fate doesn't await you. Attribute his sudden departure to the arrival of Miles, a small boy which he clearly loathes and despises. So, how do you suggest perhaps when Miles leaves for university, he will come trip tropping through the door? Which is, of course, a joke because we won't be able to afford to send Miles to university. <laughs> and on those two gloomy notes, we <laughs> say goodbye to Rebecca Davis.